Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to everybody who shared stories of resurrection. That's one of my favorite things that we do to get, to let you hear from somebody besides me about how God is at work in our people. God is at work in all sorts of ordinary and extraordinary ways, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear it from each other. So thank you for doing that. And uh, we've got to find more ways to do that than just in the season of Easter. Friends, you know, in the, in the season of Eastertide, we, uh, for our preaching, we've been going back through the Gospel of Mark and, uh, and looking at passages that answer this question, which is, what are we raised with Christ for? What, what is the kind of life that we are called to because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus? Or another way to ask it is, how do we live as the people of Easter? And even though Eastertide is officially over, and today is Pentecost Sunday, we are still going to ask the same question for at least one more week. And because it makes sense, because the engine that powers this resurrected life we've been talking about is no less than the Spirit of God. So obviously it makes sense, even on this Pentecost Sunday. Romans 8, 11 says this, If the Spirit, you heard it earlier in your words of encouragement, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's a remarkable verse. Did you hear that? It says, If you were in Christ, then the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has taken up residence in you, if you can believe it. The very same power is available to you, to his people. It's the spirit that raises us to this life. And so we're going to look at one more passage in Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. And we're going to read a corresponding reading from the Old Testament in Isaiah 35. And the whole thing is pointing to one thing. What I want you to see today is that we are raised for restoration. We are raised to restoration. First of all, the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 7. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now would you stand to honor the reading of the gospel lesson. This is Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. Then he, being Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. His ears 
were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And then Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We pray for the preaching of God's word. Oh Lord, we, we pause here and pray, not out of formality, but out of acknowledging reality. That these are your words. You authored them. And even now, we cannot understand them unless the Holy Spirit comes. So the very gift that you've given us on this day of Pentecost. Unless the Spirit comes, Lord, we, this will be of no use to us. And so, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Open our mouths so we will proclaim your praise. Soften our hearts. It will be fertile soil for the word of God. That it will grow up and bear fruit in our lives. Do this, Lord, for your glory for the good of your people. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Just be seated, please. As we get started, I'm going to uh, quote to you from a famous nursery rhyme. And I want you to participate with you. It's like, you guys are good at liturgy, right? Part of being a, a liturgical church is you learn how to read in, uh, in, in uh, unison with everybody else. Not everybody has that talent, by the way. So it's really good that you learn how to do that. So I'm going to quote the nursery rhyme, and you finish the last line. You got it? I think you're going to know this one. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men... We know it, right? You know this, this nursery rhyme. Also, can we acknowledge that nursery rhymes are rather strange? Like, have you, ever, have you ever paid attention to the actual words of nursery rhymes? They are really, really strange. Like, rockabye baby in the treetops. Like, what in the world is a cradle doing in the top of a tree? And why are we singing a song about a limb breaking and the cradle and the baby coming down? Like, I, we should be calling the fire department and not singing about the situation. Or... Legend goes that Ring Around the Rosie uh, is about a, a, a rash. <laughs> it is about a red rash that was, that was a symptom of the Great Plague of 1665 in London. It's just a theory, but I think it might be an actual theory. We all fall down means we all die from the plague. It's really strange. Or London Bridge is falling down. That actually might be, according to legend, it might be about a, vis a vicious Viking attack on the city which destroyed the bridge in 1014, right? That's strange. These are really strange things. Now, Humpty Dumpty is uh, less strange and less sinister, but like all nursery rhymes, there's a moral to the story, right? There's a lesson that we want to teach our kids, that we want them to learn even from an early age. Now, what is the lesson of Humpty Dumpty? The lesson is that things fall apart. Things fall apart. Sometimes things break and can't be put back together again. And this is a really important lesson that kids need to learn, right? I still remember I, I didn't get Jackson's permission. I, I decided once my kids get to an age old enough, I need to ask them permission before I use them in the sermon illustration. But sorry, bud. It was a busy weekend. But I still remember when Jackson was a toddler. <laughs> he, had, he had just unwrapped a, a, a fresh, delicious Nutri-Grain bar, you know, as a sustenance. And before he could, he could even take a bite snapped in two 
right? You've seen this experience. And he came to me with tears in his eyes, holding these two halves, wanting me to fix it, wanting me to, to put it back together again, as simple as it is, just a little Nutri-Grain bar. He was undone and wanted me to put it back together again. And I had to say, son, remember the lesson of Humpty Dumpty. You know, right? I didn't say that, but that's the lesson, right? Things fall apart. In a fallen world, things fall apart. Or if you would like possibly a more grown-up example, how about this one? What is the second law of thermodynamics? Any physics people in the room? Yes, thank you. The second law of thermodynamics is the principle of increased entropy. In other words, energy naturally flows from a state of order to a state of disorder. It moves towards chaos, not the other way around. It moves from usable energy to unusable energy. And so that means it explains things like how we know the world works. If you drop an egg, it will break, and but there's no process by which it can unbreak itself within that closed system, right? Translation, everything breaks down. Things fall apart. This is a fact of life, whether from a scientific law or a nursery rhyme. We know this to be true. We know this is true with our possessions. If you buy a car, as soon as you drive it off a lot, it de depreciates immediately. And that car will continue to depreciate. Over the course of its life, it will trend towards repairs and breakdowns because things fall apart. We know this to be true with relationships. Romantic relationships especially, they tend to start out great, but over time, they become more difficult. There are conflicts and arguments, and there's hurt, and there's pain, and there's struggle. And in this case, it's, it's not irreversible, but we have to be super intentional, don't we? We have, to, we have to work on it. We have to go to counseling. We have to do things to fight the natural entropy of our relationships because things fall apart. We know this is true with our bodies, right? No matter how much we exercise or eat well or try and be healthy, over the course of our lives, over time, our bodies will break down. Fatigue, stress, injuries, sickness, disease. Many of you have experienced this already, even at a young age, because things fall apart. But sisters, in our text today, we meet, we meet a man whose body has fallen apart. Mark tells us that he is deaf and that he has a speech impediment, most likely that he was mute, or that he could barely talk, most likely because he couldn't hear. And so you can imagine what kind of suffering this man lives with and endures on a daily basis. He lives a life in silence, probably confused a lot of the time about what's going on around him because he can't understand what's happening. He feels isolated with nothing but his own thoughts. He does not know the joy of hearing music or, or birds singing or people laughing. And one of the most fundamental necessities of human existence, the ability to communicate, is very challenging for this man. He can't hear when people speak to him and he struggles to speak back, most likely in, in broken or difficult to comprehend sounds that are common for deaf people. This man's body is broken down because things fall apart. And it's safe to say that this has affected every aspect of his life, relationally, 
vocationally, spiritually. Right, this man is representative of the lesson of Humpty Dumpty. Things fall apart. This is the reality of the world that we live in, and you and I know it, and we experience it. But why is this the case? Why is this the reality of the world that we live in? Well, the Christian account of why things fall apart is that it's because of sin. Now, I'm not talking about this man's sin in particular. I'm not saying that he sinned and therefore God made him deaf and mute. I'm saying it's because all human beings are fallen into sin. Right? It's not just Humpty Dumpty who had a great fall. It's all of us. If you know the gospel story, you know how it begins. God made a perfectly good world, and then he made perfectly good human beings to care for the world on his behalf. And the one job of these perfect human beings was to listen with their ears and obey the word of God. To trust that their creator knows best and to believe his word above everything else. But the first human beings failed to do just that. Instead of listening to God's word, they listened to the lies of the devil. They listened to their own prideful desire to be autonomous, to be their own God. And so they sinned against God, and the result is that sin and death entered into the world for everyone. Spiritual death. We are alienated, we are cut off from the God for whom we are made. And physical death. Our bodies, our work, our relationships, now they all break down. They all fall apart and they die because of sin. This entropy was, didn't used to be a part of our world. This is not the way things are supposed to be, but it is the way things are, because we live in a fallen world. The question is, how do you respond when things start to fall apart around you, or when something falls apart in your life? What do you do when the inevitable entropy touches into your life? How do you feel when things you love break down, and it causes you or others to suffer? There's a range of emotions, right? Some of us get sad. Some of us get angry. Some of us just try to go numb, try to not to feel it at all. Some of us just, res just resign, right? This is the way things are, and the better I get used to that, it's going to be better for me. This is the way things are, and nothing is ever going to change it. I'm sure, Mark doesn't tell us a lot about this deaf man, but I'm sure that's exactly the way he felt. And it's how we feel a lot of the time, that, that nothing's ever going to change. This sin pattern in my life is never going to change. My feelings of shame and guilt are never going to go away. My, my sadness will always overshadow even the good things in my life. It's that feeling of resignation, right? We resign to the way things are, and we expect little from life, or we expect little from Jesus. That's how we often respond when, when, this, when things fall apart in our lives. But I love, I love, just as a little nugget, I love how Jesus responds in this text. Because Jesus sees the suffering all in front of him. He sees this deaf man, this mute man. He sees the people begging him to do something about it. Like, please lay hands on this man and heal him. But he sees the suffering of the world. In verse 34, it says that Jesus looked up into heaven and he sighed. Did you, did you notice that? He sighed. 
When I first read it this week, I thought, is Jesus like annoyed that he has to perform like yet another miracle? Is this like a frustrated sigh? When I studied it, I saw, no, it's a, it's a groaning sigh. The word means it's a groan. He looks up to God and he groans because these people are groaning in pain. This is the point of the incarnation. Jesus, God, came down into our world, our sinful, pain-filled world. He is burdened by our burdens. He vocalizes our pain. He groans. It reminds me of these moving words from Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The whole creation is groaning. We groan because the world is not yet as it's supposed to be. And I love it. Just in, just, this, in, this isn't the main point of the sermon, but I love this little nugget. Jesus is telling us no matter how bad it gets, we always have a recourse. We always have a refuge. We always have an invitation to lift our eyes to heaven and to bring to God our sighs, our groans, our sorrows. Let's read the Psalms. All the lament. This is a vital, this is vital to life in a fallen world. But the question of the text, the main point of this sermon is can anyone do anything about it? Things fall apart, but can anyone put it back together again? See, friends, we also lift our eyes up to heaven because only God, only God has the power to make things new again. And that's what Mark wants to show you in this beautiful passage. He wants to show you that this is not the way things have to be. He wants to show us that there is one who can put things back together again, and his name is Jesus. But the way he does it is brilliant. Mark uses this Greek word in verse 32. And this is really great that it's the word for speech impediment in our translation. And this word, this Greek word, is only used in one other place in the entire Bible. And it's not a common word, so the fact that Mark uses it means it is very, very intentional. Because he wants us to connect this story to that other story. You know where that other story is? Isaiah 35. We read it. Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And here it is. The tongue of the mute sing for joy. See what Mark's doing? Mark is saying... Isaiah 35 is coming true right before your very eyes. The one who can put all things back together again has come. His name is Jesus. He holds up these two passages. He says, look at all the evidences. Isaiah 35 says, the glory of the Lord will come to Lebanon. Mark 7 says that Jesus went through the region of Tyre and Sidon. Guess where that is? Lebanon. The salvation of the Lord is going out to the Gentiles. It's going out to the nations. It's going out to the whole world. Isaiah 35 says, when, this is how you'll know when the glory of the Lord is revealed. These are the evidences. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The lame shall leap like a deer. And the mute will sing for joy. 
And then in Mark 7, what's happening? The deaf ears. The mute speaks. The chapter before it, a lame man walks. In the next chapter, a blind man sees. Mark is saying, it's happening. Jesus is putting the world back together again. And these are the signs. Now you might be thinking, well, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a nice Bible study nugget moment for back then. But we don't really see miracles like that happening anymore, do we? So how can we know that Jesus is the one who puts everything back together again? Brothers and sisters, because what Jesus does for this man physically, he does for us spiritually. And that does not denigrate it. This is just as impressive of a miracle. Because the fact is, because of sin, we are all born spiritually blind and deaf, every one of us. We cannot see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We cannot hear and understand the gospel to be good news. Every one of us were born without the ability to speak God's praise or to walk in his ways. But friends, when the Spirit of God comes into our life, he gives us eyes to see. He gives us ears to hear. He loosens our tongue to boast in Christ. As the psalm says, he puts a new song in our mouth, a song of praise to our God. That he causes us to walk in God's ways. This is the way Jesus is putting everything back together again today. And friends, it is a modern miracle. Every much is Jesus healing this deaf and mute man. See, Mark is making all these connections to Isaiah 35 to show us what is happening. All these connections. But there's one thing that's obviously missing. Maybe you read it and they were like, where's that? Verse 4. Isaiah wrote, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with what? Vengeance. And with recompense, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. See, Isaiah says, when God comes, he's going to come with vengeance. He's going to come with divine retribution on all of his enemies. So where do you see that in Mark? Brothers and sisters, you see it at the cross. Because to our ever-living wonder, Jesus doesn't come to condemn the world. He comes to save it. Jesus doesn't come with divine retribution upon his enemies. He comes to take divine retribution upon himself. He saves the world by taking our condemnation upon himself. Listen to the way one commentator says it. Isaiah says the Messiah will come to save us with divine retribution, but Jesus isn't smiting people. He's not taking out his sword. He's not taking power. He's giving it away. He's not taking over the world. He's serving it. Where's the divine retribution? And the answer is, he didn't come to bring divine retribution. He came to bear it. See, friends, when the Spirit opens your eyes, when he unclogs your ears, what you see and what you hear is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see Jesus dying in your place so that he can give you his place as the beloved son or daughter. You see a love that is so amazing, so divine. 
Mark is telling us, brothers and sisters, things fall apart. But Jesus is the only one who puts things back together again. Can he put your life back together again? Yes, he can. By the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Can he put your marriage back together again? Yes, he can. By the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Can he put your vocation back together again? Yes, by the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Can he put your body back together again? Yes, he can. Not fully in this life, but at the resurrection, he will put even your body back together again by the Spirit of God. You see, he's mending it all. He's putting the whole broken world back together again. And when it's done, we will be astonished beyond measure. We will say, like verse 37, he has done all things well. He has done all things well. That's definitely a line. It's an echo from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God made the world, he said what? It is good. And now, by the Spirit of God, when he remakes the world, we will say, it is good. He has done all things well. This is the song of your life, friends. This is the song of the saints for all eternity. Is that God does all things well. So in conclusion, I would like to take an attempt to fix Humpty Dumpty, if I can. You guys know I like to like rewrite old hymns and stuff, so I, I took a shot at this one. Tell me, let me know what you think. So it starts the same. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Here's my addition. But the true king doesn't need horses or men. Just the Holy Spirit to make everything new again. It's better, right? Ruben, let's put that to music. Let's sing it, right? Friends, let me pray. Let's ask God to help us. Our Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we are especially thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We do not have to resign ourselves to a world that constantly breaks down, but we can have hope that you are putting things back together again. Lord, I ask you, the things that are broken in our lives, in our world, the things that burden our hearts, that break our hearts, that cause us to sigh and to groan before you. We ask you to be at work. And in, in those very places, give us the hope that you are making all things new. Now, but also in eternity, perfectly. Lord, give us that longing and that hope that one day we will stand, stand back and we will say, he has done all things well. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.